0: good morning everybody <clears throat> my name is hunter upton i am one of the pastors here at our south haven campus here at goodwell church uh, so glad that you've joined us for worship uh, If you're a regular, we're glad you're here. Uh, If you're a guest, we're especially glad that you're here and hope that you've received a warm welcome. And uh, whether you're joining us here on campus or online, however and wherever, uh, it's a beautiful morning. It's a great time. The music has been uh, phenomenal. And I I really do think that we're in the presence of the Lord here this morning. And so grateful that now we get to come before his word uh, together. Um, and so this uh, month we've been walking through what it means for us to be gospel friends. Uh, what it looks like for us as, as God's people to live differently than this world. Uh, differently than the example that the world has for us as friends. What does it mean for us to be true friends? We've looked at what it means for gospel friends to be humble. We've looked at what it means for gospel friends last week to be present in pain. All of these ways that we've been walking through this month, what we're looking at is our ultimate friend, the ultimate example that we have, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And today, we're going to be talking about uh, gospel friends seek peace. Now, how many of you have a, a friend or family member that is really good, like they're a master at maneuvering relationships? So when the blow-up happens, when the argument happens, they swoop in and they help kind of calm everybody down, get everybody back on the same page. Maybe you have a coworker who's like that. Maybe there's someone in your life who, uh, whenever it seems like chaos ensues in your life and in your circumstances, they come in and they help remind you of the peace. They help, they usher in this peace. They just have that kind of spirit about them. Or maybe you have that special someone in your life who does the exact opposite of that. I don't know. I know, I feel like for all of us, we have one person who seems to do the exact opposite of that. But this morning, what I want us to talk about is what it means for us as gospel friends to seek peace in our relationships, for us to be peacemakers instead of living in the way of the world where they do the exact opposite of that. They drive dissension and division and and really just stir things up. So... If you've got a Bible or device you read from, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. You can turn there with me, Colossians chapter 3. Paul, in writing his letter to the believers at the church in Colossae, um, the first two chapters he's given this theological discussion. He's laid out this idea that Jesus is supreme over and in all things. It's all about Jesus. He is over it all. There's no part of eternity that he, his hand, his, his being is not, like his hands are not over. His reign is over it all. And so when we get to chapter 3 and chapter 4, what we find is now Paul's moving in from this theological discussion to how does this practically play out in our lives? So what does this mean? If Jesus is supreme over and in all things, then what does this mean for us? So, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also long in this world to know just how wicked it is and it seems like with each passing day but really each passing year it seems like it just gets more wicked and more wicked right unfortunately the world that we live in it's a broken and fallen place and it's been that way since Adam and Eve were in the garden that God created and God walked alongside them. And one day they were deceived and thinking that God was holding out on them. So they ate of this fruit that God has very specifically said, you can eat of any tree, just not this one. And so they thought that God was, hanging, was holding out on them. And so in, in that, they eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil, and they welcome sin and death into the world. And that was a pretty long time ago. And we're still living in those days where we reap the consequences of their actions, and yet we join with them each and every day in our sin. It's who we are as humans. We're broken. We live in this world. We need salvation. Paul tells us that the ways of the world are are loving immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. That those ways of living are are the, the way that the world lives. And because of that, it warrants the wrath of God. But those aren't the ways that God has really created us. That's not the way of life that he's desired for us to really flourish in. In fact, instead of life, living that way brings what? Death. But here's the thing. Living a life of death and darkness and wickedness is not the only way. Why? It's because of Jesus. You see, Jesus left the peace that he had in heaven. He left the comfort of being in the presence and the communion of God to come to this broken and fallen earth to show us what it means to love God, to love our neighbor, but to be in a relationship with God. Jesus lived this perfect life for us, becoming the perfect and spotless and once and for all sacrifice for our sin. He died the death that we all deserve, that perfect spotless lamb slain for you and me. But one of the great things about our God is dead things don't have to stay dead. God, by his power and his might, rose Jesus from the dead three days after he died, to new life, to victory, And friends, that is the same thing that is offered to each and every single one of us. That we don't have to stay in darkness. We don't have to stay in weakness. We don't have to stay with our old nature. But God in Jesus comes and raises us as well to new life. And when Jesus became our peacemaker, he became our peacemaker because he bridges that gap between us and God, a holy God and a sinful people bridged, reconciled because of the blood of Jesus. Friends, that's what's offered to us, each and every single one of us. This was offered to this world that we don't have to live in this way. We don't have to live disconnected from God, but that we can be made right because of Jesus. And so what Jesus does is he goes before us. He wins for us the, the, the right to become children of God, the right to be reconciled to God. And it's not from anything that we do, but is the free grace of God through Jesus. Jesus makes peace for us. And because we've been raised with Christ, our life is now hidden in, in his God doesn't see us as sinful, but yet he he does not remember our sins any longer because our life is hidden in Christ. I think that a lot of times we try to find peace in anything and everything other than Jesus. Anyone attest to that? I was remembering this morning a, a quote that comes from one of the early church fathers, Augustine. He has a book called Confessions, and I don't typically read all of a book, so on the first page of, of this book, which I got that far, there's this great quote. He says this, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Friends, I don't know where you've been trying to strive for. I don't know what worry you keep holding on to. But we find our rest. We find our peace in jesus in jesus one of the desires of the lord is that we would be peacemakers in our friendships and that's what it means for us to be gospel friends and if we're holding up jesus as the ultimate friend i want to offer this example of a way that jesus has gone and worked for peace in relationships Uh, my friend ben shared this with me this week and i think it's very fitting but in mark's gospel What we find is Jesus and the disciples are on their way uh, into Jericho and James and John run up from the back and they say, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, can we sit at your left and your right hand, two places of honor and power, whenever you become the king? Well, as soon as the other 10 hear about this, they become indignant. And I don't think it's because they're like, man, like, what are you doing? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think they're just mad because they didn't think of it first and now here's James and John they've got those seats but Jesus says this to help bring peace amongst the group when they're irate at each other about this he says no 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 the way of the kingdom of God is different it's one not of lording over the powerless it's not one of, of pressing down and oppressing of one being more important than another but it's about humility It's what Pastor Jonathan talked about the first week. So Jesus, in his perfect way, models for us of when when chaos begins to ensue, when when wills and opinions all start to clash, what do you do? You come in and you help bring peace. You see, Satan in the darkness, they don't want us to be peacemakers in our relationships, though. That's because the ways of Jesus, that of forgiveness and love and peace and grace... They all lead to life. Jesus offers us hope and life. The darkness offers us division and dissension and death. But friends, here's the thing. Jesus has overcome the darkness. The light has won. We can rest in that. And because of our reconciliation with God, because of Jesus, we have peace And therefore, we're called to be friends who come and help usher in the same peace as well around us. So what does it mean for us to be gospel friends? And I think this has kind of been uh, the pervading theme uh, amongst all these. But it's this, it's that we look different. We look different. We don't look like the world. If you read through the New Testament, one of the dynamics that you see all throughout it is this idea of, What Jesus has done for you, you should do for others. What Jesus has given you, you should give to others. We have been blessed to be a blessing to others. And working for peace is no different because peace has been made between us and God. We're to be a blessing to others to work for peace in their lives as well. Now, I think a lot of times whenever we think of this, we think of peace being kind of this intellectual idea, right? Like, ah, oh, yes, peace. I love to relax. I saw someone's vacation pictures this morning. It was green and sunny and looked nice and warm and uh, wish I was there. But it's not this idea of kind of this transcendence of peace. But peace is something that we, we really work for to have peace, and that's actually what it is. Peace is not an idea, but it's an action. It's not an idea, but it's an action. Seeking peace is oftentimes very messy. Sometimes seeking peace is actually seemingly really unjust for us who are trying to seek peace. We get battered and beaten, ostracized. And sometimes seeking peace is just downright difficult. We'll find opposition at every corner. It's because the darkness does not want us to bring the ways of Jesus into the world. So, when I think about peacemaking, I think of it kind of like this. What you see is you're witnessing chaos ensue in front of you. And instead of just being like, "Ooh, glad that's not me, you step into it. You help wade into the waters. You help usher in the peace that Christ has given You, so that they too may know and experience the peace that Christ is offering them. So, how do we do all this? Well, let's look back at our passage, and I think that it'll help us make sense of this. Paul gives us six things. I know it's a lot, but follow me here. So, the first thing that Paul tells us, and we see this in verses one through four, is that instead of focusing in on ourselves, or what we want, or what's around us, we should shift our gaze to Jesus. We should shift our gaze to Jesus. Why? Because He is our peace. He is our peace. No matter what this world throws at us, if Jesus is our peace and it's anchored in something way beyond this world, it's anchored in the unchangeable I am. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow too, this Jesus. Quit looking here, quit looking here, but turn and look to Jesus. That's been a tremendous comfort for me over the last couple of years. I feel like everything around me has changed. I feel like moment by moment, I just go, Lord, I don't know anymore. But Lord, you, Jesus, you are my anchor. That brings me comfort, that's why I can face Tomorrow. That's why it's changed the way that I have hope and I have an outlook for life, because Jesus is my peace. So shift your gaze to Jesus. The second thing that Paul tells us from verses 5 through 11 is that we need to put to death, we literally need to take off our old nature, this earthly, this worldly self, this wickedness that we keep holding on. Onto if if we are part of the body of Christ, then we've been given a new life, and so we are to act the way that Jesus acts, not as this world does. And I love the way that Paul pushes us because I think that all of us those those first couple of things, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, I think we're like check 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 out and done those. We're good, right? But I love how he pushes us a little bit further because it's not necessarily those flashy ways that lead to death, but even the subtle ways. And things that we hold on to in our nature. The things that aren't in line with the life-giving way of God. Things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying to one another. I think sometimes we hang on to those things and and y'all our world has even said that some of those sometimes whenever you practice those things it's justified, it's righteous, it's okay to lie to one another, it's not a big deal. But Paul says that's not true. That's not true. Take off your old nature. Take it off. In just a second, we're to talk about how we've been clothed with new clothes. Friends, I think too often in the church, we've been clothed with new clothes, and we still have holy socks. You've been given new socks as well. Take it off. Let's put on what God has given us in Jesus. Jesus went to great lengths for us to be able to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. God with us. God with us. He takes our hearts as hard as they are. And His Spirit begins to chisel away at what's been petrified there. And when all is done, it's not a heart of stone that we have, but it's a heart of flesh and one that is, as Jeremiah 31 tells us, loves and knows the Lord and desires to follow him. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Our old nature is that of wickedness and darkness, but God, by Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has given us, has freed us to a new life. And so we have the ability to take off, to shed it all off, and to be clothed in newness of life in Jesus, which leads us to the third thing. Looking at verses 12 through 14, Paul instructs us that since we are God's beloved, since we've been made holy because of Jesus, we should clothe ourselves with the ways of Jesus. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another since God has done that very same thing to you. I love the way he puts this, and put on love. It's kind of like an overcoat. If it was a little bit colder outside today, it'd be a great day for an overcoat. But put it on. It goes over all of it, and it binds it all together in perfect unity. When we clothe ourselves with the way of Jesus, then we're different than this wicked world. We're wholly different. We're set apart. We're a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. Instead of dissension and division and death, what we end up doing is bringing light and life, and love to the world and the people around us. So we're clothed with this new way of living given to us by Jesus. Then what are we to do? It leads us to the fourth thing, verse 15, that Paul calls us to is to seek peace. To seek peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and also our relationships. Let it reign over all of us. Our lives. Now, we all know someone who likes to stir the pot, right? Someone who likes to provoke others, um, whether online or, or in person, and I'm so glad that is none of us. I'm guilty. <clears throat> but what we're talking about is that we're called to live differently than this world. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to stir it up, we're not called, called to keep the division and the dissension going. We're called to be like Jesus. And what that means for us is that there's some hard work to be done. There's some hard work to be done in our lives. If we're going to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, that's going to take some work. It's going to take us letting his illuminating light come and shine on the places, those, those doors in the hallway that we keep shut. We're going to have to open them up to let him come and shine his bright light into our lives, that he would come and change who we are. It's uncomfortable, but we've gotta let peace reign over our spheres of influence over all of our lives. Because remember, God has made peace. Jesus made peace to God on our behalf for us. The fifth thing verse 16 tells us is that we have to help others find peace in Jesus. This life is hard and daunting. I don't think I have to remind any of you of, of that. And I've said it many times over the years, and it becomes more and more true each and every passing day. But I do not understand how people do this life without their brothers and sisters in the church. I have not anywhere near experienced the loss and tragedy and hardships that many of you have. And yet I still go, I have no clue how I'm going to make it through tomorrow without you guys. We have to have each other. Paul tells us, encourage one another. Admonish one another. Remind each other of this peace that we have in Jesus when the chaos ensues around us, when the storm seems to be raging. Come alongside each other. Encourage one another. I've witnessed over and over this church, in many ways, in many families, over and over again, wrap its arms around each other. Well done. And I want you to keep it up, because it's what we're called to do as the church. But you know what has been even more astonishing is, is not even just families in our church. I've seen and heard countless stories over and over of people in our community who have no ties to a church. And yet, you've come alongside them and loved them well. You've, you've helped them see peace in Jesus. So Paul tells us and encourages us, be instruments of peace in each other's lives. And finally, the sixth thing that Paul tells us from verse 17 <clears throat> is that we should work for peace in every spot in your life every spot in your life. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, if you're in the carpool line, if you're at the grocery store, if you're having family dinner, if you're having a hard phone call with someone in your family, if you're showing up at a friend's house who's just lost someone, it doesn't matter where it is, help usher in peace, there is no compartment in our lives, there's no place in this entire world that God does not want his peace to rule and reign over. Nothing's off limits. He wants you to work for peace, true peace, usher in that peace. Friends, that is what kingdom come work looks like. That's the work that we're called to do. Now in every relationship that we have, there's tension and friction that happens. Tension is is that time whenever there's a force that's applied that begins to stretch the relationship a little bit. Friction is whenever uh, wills begin to clash, personalities and temperaments begin to clash, opinions begin to be said. Here's the thing all those are normal, very normal in any relationship. It's going to happen, it's not wrong. But what do we do when that happens? How do you respond to it? Well, we're to work for peace, meaning that we don't seek vengeance. We don't repay evil for evil, meaning we don't alienate the other person. We don't just cut them off and say, whatever. Mm -mm. As the people of God, As ones who have had peace made for us, we are to be instruments of peace in this world. We are to be gospel friends who seek peace, who seek reconciliation. And I know that sounds so against what this world is, and it's because it is. It is wholly different. It is a gift. It's a gift. In Jesus, we have freedom. One of the greatest things that we have is that we no longer have to strive for our salvation. It's been given to us. And because of this new life that's been given to us in Jesus, we have freedom, we have the ability, we have the boldness to go and make peace where there is no peace right now because of Jesus. It's an awesome, awesome responsibility and an awesome opportunity. Jesus told his disciples in the final hours, Final hours before he was about to be crucified, he said this. I said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In this world you will have distress, but be encouraged. I have overcome the world. We have freedom, we have life, we have peace in Jesus. We're blessed to be a blessing because of Jesus. So my ask of you this morning is this. Where is it in your life? What relationship needs peace? Maybe it's between you and someone. Maybe it's between two people in your life. But who needs peace? Who needs this different kind of friend? A true friend, a gospel friend to come and work about peace, to usher in peace into that relationship? What place has God put you? Maybe it's your your child's ball team. Maybe it's the person who's sitting next to you in the office. Maybe it's where you find yourself at Kroger. But where is it that God has placed you to help bring about peace? Step into those moments. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign. Let reconciliation become normal because of Jesus. And instead of responding with judgment, respond with grace. Instead of arrogance, come with humility. And instead of uh, hatred, come with love. Let's be gospel friends. And if you're joining us today and you're like, this piece sounds great, but I've never experienced it in my life. Now's a better day than ever. To come and and to accept the peace that Jesus is offering you in your life. Remember, your heart will be restless until it finds its rest in Jesus. Stop striving. Stop looking anywhere and other than Jesus and give yourself to him. And if you're not even sure, you're like, I don't know, I gave the peace thing a try one time, just not sure about it. Give it a try again. Let's just see what God can do through it. So as we grow more and more into the image of Jesus, as we grow in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love, we're going to seek more and more for God's priests to come into this world. And you know, my prayer as I finish is that God's peace would come and fill every nook and cranny of our lives. So let's pray. Father, that is our prayer, that is our hope, that is our ask. Lord, that your hope, your peace would come and invade our lives. Lord, that all of these places, every nook and cranny of our heart, of our mind, of of our, our ability to serve, Lord, would just be filled with your peace. Father, we ask that you would help us to be bold in taking off our old nature any part that we keep hanging on to, Lord, that we would lay it down and that we would gladly take on this new self, these new clothes that you've given us in Jesus. And Lord, not that it would just change our lives, but we are thankful, but Lord, that it would change the world around us because of the peace and the grace that you've given us through Jesus. So, Father, we open our hearts, we open our arms, our hands, to be used by you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, most holy God. Amen. In a second, we're going to sing a song of response to God for what we have learned this morning. And Jesus brings us peace. Jesus brings us peace. He is a light in the darkness. and So the words that we're going to sing, sing them over your life. Sing them over your life. Sing them over your friends, over your family. Sing them over our world, but sing a song to God because the light has overcome the darkness. He brings peace to this world. And so I'd love to pray with you. If you want to come forward, you can pray at the altars. Jonathan and I will be down here. You can wave us over. We can pray with you. You can pray at your seats, however you want to pray. But let's respond to what God has done for us. If you'll stand, let's sing together.